Uh, as you turn your book, we're going to be in the Bible today in Joel. And if you know where Joel is, it's right before Amos in your Bibles. Today, I think we need to hear this as, as a church family at different times in our lives because sometimes we think that for some reason the Old Testament was written by old gray-haired bearded guys and they died off and it has no meaning anymore. And the Old Testament what makes the New Testament relevant. The Old Testament always backs up the New Testament. The Old Testament is where God's prophets proclaim the Messiah to come. And everything that his relationship with Israel is still alive today. In order in the New Testament times and New Covenant times, that Joel brings out a fresh and crisp new meaning to Pentecost for us, the day of Pentecost. And Joel, the prophet of the Lord, was a... I guess you would consider him a minor prophet, not because he did minor work, but because he has minor books. It's real short. The book of Job is a prophecy stimulated by Renus' invasion of locusts in the farmlands of Israel. Job warned the people that this catastrophe was but a harbinger of worse things to come from the Lord if the people did not repent of their sins. Nevertheless, even through the Lord might punish them severely, he would always restore them. And pour out his spirit upon all people. Peter sighed this prophecy on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.17. We can see the fulfillment of Job's prophecy. And the spread of gospel to all nations. This is where evangelistic. He, Peter foreshadowed. said that Job prophesied that we would be evangelists. He knew there would be evangelists coming out from every country. To evangelize the world. So he looked forward to that day. <clears throat> and we go through. Uh, we're going to start here. In Job. And um. I'm going to start here in uh, verse, in chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to start up here about verse 21. And this is actually the Lord speaking through the prophet Joe to the people. The uh, He understands some things about Israel. And I'll explain him as we go. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, you beasts of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the, and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And what he's saying here to Israel is <clears throat> Israel has always made their daily provision from the land, okay? And I don't want to say it been too long ago when America, the United States of America made its daily provision from the land, okay? We just got now we buy from other people and that's where we got ourselves in a fix because we stopped producing our own oil, stopped raising our own cattle. We can buy from the Chinese and Japanese and Germans and everybody else in the world and other countries who don't even praise God as their savior, Okay? And we can buy that and, and get that at a cheap price. What it does, it cuts out about half our labor. See? United States, when it actually was founded here, people, everything was made here in the good old United States of America. And then, guess what? The seventh year, we kept the seventh year's Jubilee. All the big farms and all the countries all across the United States of America, the seventh year, they let the farm rest. Let the ground reproduce natural nutrients. They didn't spray all these insecticides on the crops. They guarded the farms. They guarded, the, kept the, the pesticides from it with natural things. 
such as cedar oil and the times of this thing. So guess what? We didn't have all this cancer in our food. We didn't have all these things coming from the soil, mass-producing chickens and hens and hogs and everything else, feeding them steroids, make them grow faster, put out more pork and chicken and beef. Where you, where you pump steroids and something, you're going to have cancer grow from that. See? God says when he heals the land, he heals everything. God heals the land. That's why he said, my people return to me. Stop worshiping idols. Stop your fornication. Stop these things that you're doing, and I will heal the land. When I heal the land, you'll be healed immediately. Because I heal the land, my animals, my people, right on down the line. And so we've gotten so far away from that, see? Away from even our provisions because we're in a computer age, man. I mean, everything we can get, we can, you get on a computer, you can order anything from milk right to your door, clothes, wherever you want, vacations, right on your computer. Pay your bills, never have to even leave the house. Everything is so convenient on that computer. We've gotten so used to that computer, we've taken out the working man. has been taken out of the United States of America. See? And people have made great money on computers. And that's why you get a president or somebody running for office and don't understand that a man still goes out and he still cuts logs or still mows yards or still landscapes and still cleans apartment buildings and big buildings and still makes seven, eight dollars an hour, maybe nine dollars an hour. That he makes up most of America still. And so when you got people that say, well, you know, we're not really really the America's the ones that make hundred and twenty five thousand or more. That's the ones we're gonna going to focus on because they can still give after they run their under salary say but you're taking out the man that works works by the sweat of his brow for a living the, the american man and those who have made have been blessed to make that much more seem to find some kind of tax shelter all the time say so guess who ends up paying the taxes the man that makes seven eight nine ten dollars an hour <laughs> say so what i'm saying here is we've gotten things out of kilter here, see. See, God blesses us as Americans because we live in a country who is one nation under God. And there's no, nobody can ask who that God is because they already automatically know who that God is, the only God, the God of Israel. It's the same God as the God of the United States. But because people have conflict with these things, they begin to say like, God, as you know him or the God that you know, the God that you perceive, and you can never get out of God's Word, His context. That's why the Old Testament backs up the New Testament all the way because it gives you the foundation you need to understand the New Testament. And God is saying through the prophet Joe, the children of Zion rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the former rain. Now, the former rain is not the rain that produces a crop. The former rain is a rain that gets the soil ready for the crops. You understand? The former rains are rains you need to cultivate the field, to get it ready, get it right for the seed to be dropped. That's the former rain. And it gets the whole field ready for the produce. And then the seed is dropped, and the latter rain comes and keeps the produce growing, makes the produce grow and remain healthy. And both rains are used to produce fruit. And our spiritual life are the same way. The former rain, the things the prophets of the Lord have said in God's word, being the seed of life, the bread of life, was given to us to prepare our hearts. John the Baptist had come and said he came to prepare the way for the Messiah. See, he's an Old Testament prophet. Even though he's living in the New Testament days, and he was born just a month away from Jesus Christ our Lord, 
But he can't prepare the way for the Messiah. Get that ground ready. Prepare the way for not only for the Messiah, but for the seed to grow. So he came to reconcile fathers to his sons and sons to their fathers. Now, Jesus promised us in the end times, the end times, that father will be against son and son against father. Your own family will jail you. Okay? It'll say things against you. Family will be against family, nation against nation. And this is only because they're wicked inside. Their wickedness will swell up. And we've seen that just in the United States. Kids suing their parents. You know, kids turn their parents into child protective services. Parents abusing children. You know, and we've seen both sides of this coin in America. Well, God is saying, no matter how far you've gone from me, oh, remnant of God, I will bless you. And the only reason why we haven't been taken over by another nation is the United States of America, because he, he blesses the remnant, the ones who are called by his name, the Christians. Now, we have all kinds of people with all kinds of ideas and all kinds of attitudes and all kinds of opinions, say, about who the real God is. And some people even think they're God themselves. And they'll, still, they'll tell you that face to face. They are God. They're, they're, in the, under, they're still being molded and shaped and they're still being revolutionized to become God. So now I think, and sometimes I think, man, where did this squirrel, what tree did this squirrel fall out of? You know? I mean, he fall out of Mars or something? But you can, as Paul said, you can look outside and nature will proclaim God itself. The trees and the grass and everything that is controlled and sustained by God's hand praises God every day for its sustaining, life-giving water. And so God, no man can sustain that. You can't, you know, as well as I do, you can water a plant to death. You can, you can, you can water log a plant with water out of a faucet and that plant will die. But you can back off that thing and get two inches of rain and watch that plant pop right up. Two inches of rain from heaven. God knows exactly what the nutrients that plant needs. You run old city water on it and just drown it and bleach it out and everything else. You know, it won't do nothing but die. God knows how to take care of his plants, folks. Knows how to take care of his people. See, we go to him the last resort. We should go to him at first resort. We shouldn't even get out of bed in the morning without praising God and thanking him for a new day. But the former rain and the latter rain here, we'll see that God promises he will send that. Now, we receive the latter rain. So as Christians living in today, we have the abundance of the, we're actually the dispensation period of grace, of God's grace. Ever since Pentecost, we're living in the most exciting times ever in the history of the world. Because, see, we're going to live to see the end times because we're living in them now. Amen? Amen. And it won't be, it'll be soon and very soon. We're going to be with the king, okay? And he'll come back and he'll rapture us, take us home, and then the seven years of tribulation will break out here on earth. All hell will break loose here on earth. And it says, not like anything this world has ever seen. So I've had people say, oh, we've, man, we've been through hell before. I said, you ain't seen nothing yet, buddy. You know? I said, it's coming. You better get on that boat. You better not miss that boat. You better be on that gospel ship when it comes. And be ready. Be ready to go. It's going to be like nothing this world has ever seen. But see, God still promises in the midst of all these things going on in our country and Israel and people attacking him, going against him, trying to take him hostage and everything. God said, I will restore and the floor shall be full of wheat. Look at verse 24 here. And the floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with wine and all. That's Israel's whole production, folks, was wine, 
on wheat and cattle. That's what they sold, cattle. Wine on wheat. Well, when you have wheat in the field, you got healthy cattle. Because they ate the shrubs of wheat. Now, another on the, on the flip side of that, <clears throat> when God sends, earlier he sent the, Israel was so proud and had these big old huge crops and they were selling, making money, storing up in barns, but they were away from God. So God, guess what he did? He sent total devastation to all plant life. And what he done, when he done that, guess what? What do your cows eat when the plants are gone? Nothing. They die. Your livestock dies. So your longevity is gone. God sent not only the locust and the palmer worm, and he sent the caterpillar and canker worm, which actually canker worm, all he does is wait around there and saves down the dirt, and the locusts strip all the leaves off the plant. The palmer worm strips the whole stem of the plant down to the roots, and canker worm, he eats the roots. What's left? Nothing. From nothing leaves nothing. See, God's devastation, he puts it back in such a case it takes a miracle for that farm to reproduce again. No man can do it. He made it, he stripped the land where he said no man can go out there and say that a man actually brought us out of recession. God did it. Okay? So he'll let the price of oil go up $4 a gallon for gas. And no man will bring us out of that recession. God will do it. See? It's not in man's hands. So you shouldn't worry about the gas prices. Worry about milk being $4 a gallon. Because no man's going to bring us out of that. You know why? Because men like to make money. Does God need money? Does God need money? Does God need anything material? He owns it all, folks. It's all his already. So God supplies your need according to his riches and glory. Not according to ours. According to his riches and glory. He'll make that milk last two weeks instead of one. He'll stretch that cheese out for you. He'll stretch the tread on your tires out for you. He'll stretch your sandals out for you. Make you more tread come on your shoes. So he's the only one who can do that. Did Moses make all the children of Israel? They're in the desert 80 years. Did Moses make all the children of Israel? Clothes not well? They didn't bring you see no suitcase with them, did you? Their clothes never wore. Their clothes look as new and 80 years later, they did the first day they wore them. In the wilderness now. And women hadn't washed them clothes over stones and rub boards and who knows what. They had no all-temperature chair then. You know? And never wore out. Guess what else? Joshua and Caleb, at 80 years old, could still run like young men and fight like young men. Never lost their strength. See, God kept his warriors young. He kept his preachers young. Kept the Levites, his music minister, kept them young. The only reason why he let Moses grow up is why? Moses lost his temper. And he said, because you lost your temper, you didn't trust me. And I'll show you the promised land, but you will not enter it. So Moses got to see the promised land. See, I think because us, we get, we lose our temper and our patience. And we, we miss out on some of the blessings that God already has in store for us. Because, but because of your temper, and because of your impatience with me, you're never going to see that. Or he may, he may put it in, in stock and glory. You may not see that until you receive glory after this life here. But he's saying, I will provide for you. And your floors will be full. And I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and all these, all these, uh, the palmer worm, and my great army, which I sent among you. See, Satan didn't send that, did he? Satan didn't attack them. See, God attacked them. God said, that was my great army that I sent against you. 
to humble you for you to seek my face again. Now, folks, you got to remember that one nation under God, we're God's people because of Christ Jesus. We're the people called by his name, Christians. And God is saying, this country that you live in is not all Christian. And you're going to have to suffer some things right along because, you know what? There are sinful and evil people out there and do things to hurt people. And God said, I won't let this go. I won't let this go on. I am a just God. I am almighty God. I'm sovereign. So guess what? I'm going to punish them. But you are my people called by my name. You're going to go through some things with them because I'm going to punish your nation. So you're going to go through these things too. You don't think God's trying to humble our nation right now? You look at how many fires we've had in California just this year. How many earthquakes? How many mudslides? How many people have died in tornadoes? And high water floods. Look at Iowa. Look how bad Iowa flooded. 20 feet tall on some rooftops. Bridges collapsing. You think that's all just coincidence? You don't think God's trying to shake some people? See? You think God's trying to shake some people and wake some people up? God's hitting home the places who set up idol worship. He's destroying them. And he's going to destroy them in such a way. It's like the, it's like the man said on TV, we can't drill our way out of this. The only way we can do is pray our way out. There's no way we can drill enough oil to get out of this fix we're in. We have to pray our way out. Because God, he restored us over. And he restored us overnight, instantly. No man can do that. See? What God is saying here, I love this because it says, he promises this. If we'll just turn back to him, I'll restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. That song that Christian Sarson uh, sang, the text sang for us today, why me, Lord, what have I ever done to deserve even one of life's simple pleasures? But, Lord, I've wasted all this time. I've wasted it. I've wasted all this time. Have you wasted time? Everybody in this room has wasted time in their life. There's times we were idle. There's times that we had fun in the world. We're doing the things the world does, and we were just wasting our time, wasting life away. And God said, well, you know what? Guess what? Some of us were addicted to drugs. Some of us were addicted to alcohol. Some of us were addicted just to depression. It's like the song said, that loneliness won't leave me alone. <laughs> and, it, and depression is a powerful thing. It can take a man's life, a woman's life. And God says, you know what? You trust in me. I'm going to give you the years back. The locust ate. Give you back the years that was wasted. And not only give the years back to you, give you back the years of joy that you had that joy were overcome. The fear and pain and sorrow you had before. So that's going to be multiplied to you. See? He wants to bless us. The plans I have for you to prosper you, to make you healthy, to make you worship God Almighty. But I love that verse because they will give you back the years. I had an uncle that drank himself to death until he was 55 years old. His liver was shot. And he was saved. And God gave him another 15 years to be a minister and to minister to his family. And he said, that's what God did. God gave back him the years that he had killed himself in. See? The years that had been taken away. Well, he took his own years away and God had given him back the joy. And given him back the salvation. That's what he's saying. That he praises the Lord because, and praises his name because he gave him back those few extra years he needed to get things reconciled. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Man, we're eating what Israel missed out on right here i never seen a fat Israelite, but I've seen a lot of fat Americans. And I'm one right here. We don't go without food. Being born in America, it's a blessing to be an American. I mean, there's two-thirds of this country don't even go to bed at night without bread and water. Some of them miss bread. Some of them miss water. 
still two-thirds of the world, folks. We're in the blessed, the most blessed part of the world could ever be in. Live in a free country. To read our Bible openly. I can take my Bible to work and have a Bible study. As long as I have three more people that want to do it, we can have a Bible study at work. As long as three other people want to have a Bible study. That's all it takes. And they can't do anything about it. You do it on your lunch break, you can do what you want. See? We still live in a country like that. Some countries will, you'll be shot even seen with the Bible. See? What I'm saying, because we have eat plenty. Now, we eat plenty because people that's mentioned in this Bible right here did not live to see their blessings. They got their blessings in heaven, but guess who received them? Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth generation. Generation upon generation. Guess who we are? Are we not the children of Abraham? Yes, we are. <laughs> you know, and the Jewish people, God's people, have been blessed, and they've worked, and they've labored, and guess who else came in the picture? Gentiles. The Greeks, they call them. Guess what, who that is? Us. If you're not Jewish, you're Greek. You're Gentile. And so we receive blessings that Father Abraham worked for. And I received blessings that my great-grandfather worked for. He didn't receive them here, but he received them. He still received them because his family got them. See what I'm talking about? It was handed down to the family. I'm reaping the blessings of my grandfather's work. All the way down to Adam. And I'm also reaping what? The sin. That a man brought. Okay. So I'm raping both ways. But God said, and you shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord, your God, that dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall not never ever be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Now use this twice, say this twice. Never be ashamed to see when you're when you're apart, when you're all your iniquities wiped out, there's nothing left but joy. See? When you're pardoned and all your iniquities wiped out and all things that you've done against the Lord is wiped out and he fills that with joy, you have nothing else to do but be joyful. See? You're joyful and you're appreciative of what God has done. And verse twenty eight tells us this is a blessing to come. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in heavens and in the earth. Blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Boy, we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen that already. Just in our, in our nation. But here it's talking about the end time now. Listen, this is the last days. The sun shall be turned to darkness. And the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. That's why somebody comes to you and says, hey, man, guess what? The Lord is going to come on August the 17th, 2009. So what I need you to do is sell all your belongings, everything you have, and sell your cars and homes and bring the money here to the altar. And brother preacher super dude is going to take that offering and give it to the Lord. Now, how's he going to get to the Lord? He's going to get to the Lord when he comes. No, he's going to put that in his, and take it to the Wells Fargo, Lord, okay? And stick it in that, in that bank account. We've already had people that missed out on this boat several times, folks. Not the first time. They said, do not believe in anybody said, the Lord cometh a certain day. You know, guess what? We don't know it. Jesus said he's already putting that in the hands of the Father. He don't even know it. God will let him know when it's time. See, he's placed that all into the Father's hands. So if anybody said the Lord's coming a certain day, that's a lie. Okay? Let's go ahead and call him a liar because he's a liar. He's only one to do it for profit. 
the Lord said when these things happen, and then the great and terrible day of the Lord shall come. That's the second coming. We'll be riding back with him then, folks. Jesus came as a lamb the first time. He's come back as a lion the second time, folks. And we're riding with him. So get ready to saddle up. If you don't know how to ride a horse, you better learn pretty quick. <laughs> You'll be riding back with him. For in Mount Zion, those shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, I love that. That just pretty much takes care of the whole earth, don't it? For the Lord will reign in Zion, and the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem shall be delivered, saith the Lord has said, and the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now, he's going to take 144,000 Jewish people and make the world's greatest evangelist out of them. you never seen anybody preach and talk and execute the word of God like these 144,000. No, they're not Jehovah Witness. <laughs> they're Jewish, Jewish people. God's remnant, the ones he called. And they're going to be here during that time of tribulation. And God's already put in them, in their hearts already, and in their systems and their bodies, the stamina they need to endure that. See, he's already placed people in situations they can endure. I worked with a man in Louisiana Pacific, and, and I worked as a young man. I worked in that furnace, and as a fire, I was a fireman's helper in the furnace. And Louisiana Pacific had a furnace bigger than this whole building. It had 12 doors around it. And I had to open them doors every night up, open them doors up, and take a long rake, which is a big old, about a 25, 30 foot rake. And they had furnaces back to back. And I had to take that rake, and I had to show it all the way to the back. And what it was, that sawdust that run the fire, that started the fire for the furnace that the tree the plywood so I can make the plywood had to be a thousand degrees hot. And you look in that door and you see, I mean, 10 different colors of red in there. And when you see them blue, you better get away from the door. <laughs> but it gets so hot, they would take that sawdust and they would, under that fire, they were finding fire and they would take that sawdust and make big chunks of rock out of it. It would just crystallize it and make big old chunks of rock. And we had to get that rock out of it because what it do is clog that furnace up. So we'd take that rake and we had to hit those big old walls of, of a, a cinder and knock them down and drag them out in the wheelbarrow. And that thing would get so clogged up sometimes you had to take and open a trap door which is in the top of the furnace and you had to sit there with a big long rod and chip that concrete while the guy was raking it out. And I guarantee you folks, that heat, nobody could get close to that trap door except for Mr. King. <clears throat> See, God had already made him and his body able to withstand fire and heat because he's done it for 40 years. God seasoned him to get by each year doing his job. He was a fireman. He was a fireman over the whole boiler room. He knew that if that rock didn't come out of there, that boiler room was superheated like you couldn't get the pressure off of it fast enough and it would go off like an atom bomb. So he knew. He didn't say, hey, boy, go out there and he knew that he had to do it and he had to do it fast. And I've seen him beat on that rock for two hours at a time with that big, big steel rod. Right over the top of that flame. He'd straddle that door and take that rod and beat that stuff down like that. And we wore big old hoods, you know, uh, to rake out the... And every once in a while, a big old gust of wind would go in that furnace and then the flames would almost knock you back 10 feet. They would just come out there shooting out of that door, you know. And so it was, uh, it was very hot. It didn't take long to do it, actually, but it was very hot while it, while it lasted. But Mr. King, God equipped him that year after year after year after year. And I've never seen the man ever falter. But he was equipped that way. He was, just, he was made, God made him. 
We could do that job. And I've seen several men that God have made them. I've seen men that dip their arms down the whole bucket of creosote down the bottom and get parts out of it and come up and work on something. Never bother Man, I'll do that. My arm would be bleached out and sting and burn for three days. They could reach their arm down there and get that stuff out. God equipped them to do that work, see? He's equipped each and every one of us to do a certain work that nobody else can do. So you're equipped to do a certain work that nobody else can do. It may be just going up to somebody and hugging them. They say, man, when you hug me, I feel like I've been hugged by God. You get the best hugs. You know, you get the best, write the best letters. See, since, since God's Spirit's been poured out upon people at Pentecost, then the world's never been the same. And we're supposed to be the same. Because now heaven came down, saying glory has lived among us. And His Spirit is with us and in us. So we can do things that we never, can no longer never do before. We can superbound things, see, with the power of God. And what he's saying here, now my spirit be poured out upon men. It doesn't say your, your sons and daughters and old men will see visions and prophesy if they want to. He said, I'm going to send them. They're going to prophesy. They're going to speak my word. Now, I didn't go up. When a guy called me to be a preacher, I had to go up and say, well, Lord, I man, I love your word. It's, I even like to cover it so it's real pretty leather and everything. And, but, you know, I can't really preach that. I could probably, like, put it on a tape or something. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't ask me anything. He just said, you go. As you go, preach. Preach the word of God. Preach it with authority. The inerrant word of God. Preach it with conviction. And preach the word like I told you to. And it's, a, there's no, it's either yay or nay. And, uh, and God calls each and every one of us to do a certain ministry. And your joy really won't be complete until you start using that ministry God gives you. You never will completely enjoy yourself in the joy of the Lord until you start using that gift God's given you. It can be a simple gift as a help. A help meet is a great gift. God has given the help to being a help to others, the gift of hospitality, the gift of helps to many, many people. The gift of prayer, prayer warrior, intercessory prayer. But each one of us are gifted with a certain talent. It may just be to write someone a prayer ground. So I've been, once you know, I haven't forgotten about you, been thinking about you, and I love you in the Lord. And I hope this, this prayer ground letter lifts you up today as you go along your normal duties, you know. And uh, just make a big impression on that person you send it to. You know, it may be a, you may be able to hug somebody up at work. Maybe a, may be a, have to get to the gap like I have and just be able to just talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime, you know. Uh, go in a restaurant, sit down with somebody, you know. Can I sit here? And I, very few people probably said that, you know, well, no, you can't sit there. It's reserved for somebody. <laughs> they just already got their meal halfway ate. <laughs> be a witness to them wherever you go. You know, ask a waiter, a waiter that waits on you in a restaurant. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Do you, know, you know if you're going to heaven or not? It's very simple. They tell you yay or nay. I'll tell you, oh yes, I'm affiliated with uh, St. Martha's Catholic Church down here or Bob Peterson's Baptist Presentational Church. <laughs> and that's you, is you fit, are you affiliated with Jesus? <laughs> See, it don't take much to do that. Leave a track somewhere. Keep track. I got some more tracks back there if y'all need them. So put, putting these things out on tables and in the banks and stuff. And God promises his word never comes back void. Amen. Never. Never comes back void. Always doing His work. Always bringing salvation to souls. Always rescue the perishing. Caring for the dying. It's always ministering to people. As long as we remember that, we're on a mission. This is rescue the perishing. That's all you got to remember. 
in, in your life, your example, folks are watching you a lot closer than you think they are. So your, your living example is a great testimony to people. It can be a great deterrent. It also can be a great testimony. Thank you, D, for Jesus. And that's, uh, I can't think of a better place to be, amen, than the arms of God under his divine umbrella and just carrying the message out. He's going to take care of everything. I read a little story about a fella in Mississippi. And he's from Tupelo. And this man, this, this uh, fuller brush salesman was lost. He was driving down this road. He was going all over the place. He sent his little boy carrying a little bucket and a cane pole. He stops and says, son, if I go right back down this road where I came from and drive that way, which, where I've been? The boy said, I don't know. He said, well, if I stay in this road in front of me right here where you came from and drive down that way, a certain distance where I've been, the little boy said, I don't know. He said, well, son, that road behind you, if I go back that way and cross the road tracks back there, he goes, where'd that lead me? The boy said, I don't know. And he goes, you don't know anything, do you? And that boy said, I ain't lost. I know where home is. I know where the fishing hole is. I know where home is. That's all I need to know. I ain't lost. See? And that's where ours Christians. Hey, we got God. He's right there with us. We ain't never lost. No matter where we're at, we're not lost. See? We got him. And we're to help those other people come to him. See? But we ain't never lost. No matter where we go, we're always saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us, Father, to study your word. And Father, thank you for the privilege and honor it is to minister to these people, Father, you've blessed us with and become family too. And uh, just thank you, Father, for three years you've given us with them. And Father, I pray that we never, never really grow old or grow tired or weary of our salvation, Father. For you bring it fresh and new to us every morning, just like your faithfulness, Lord. It's new every morning. It should be new in our hearts every morning. That we have been redeemed not only from the curse of the law and death and hell, but we've been redeemed from our old lifestyle. And we don't have to live that old lifestyle anymore. And we can come to your throne of grace every morning and say, Daddy, it's so good to talk to you, to feel your arms of love around me. Just hold me for a while and get me ready for this day. Straighten my shoulders and get me off this floor and set my feet straight so I can be your warrior today. Vessel, this will reach one other person for Jesus Christ. And Father, thank you for the blessings you've given us. Father, I pray for someone here that does not know your son as personal Savior and Lord. Today, maybe the day they meet Jesus and become an overcomer by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.